but alas, it's not the way it worked out today. But anyway, glad to be with you, day number three in our journey through the book of Exodus. Um, we have seen how um, God's people over the course of 400 years have have had a position of favor transform almost overly night into a a position of, of severe opposition and suffering. And, and we can identify, I think, as believers that there's going to be times where the church, the body of Christ, us, there, there, there's favor. God shows us favor from the wider world, the culture. Um, but there's going to be other times where there is going to be severe opposition and pushback. And sometimes those things can happen simultaneously. But as we're going to see from Exodus 1 this morning, their suffering and oppression, the Israelites, as they're hanging out in Egypt, now enters a new phase. So, so let me read our passage. It's a short little passage. Pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So this is Exodus 1, and we're going to be beginning in verse 15. And remember, um, the Egyptians have been um, oppressing the Israelites up to this point by enslaving them by ruthlessly working them as slaves, by, by trying to control them uh, because they were being fruitful and they were multiplying and they were, they were being blessed by God. But now, um, this again, this oppression enters um, a new phase. Let's look at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shapira and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives fear God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Lord, we ask now for real wisdom from your text um, and from your word that here we have um, an example of a group of women who were courageous, who honored you, who feared you, who walked before your face, who um, honored you and what they did. And we want to know, we want to learn from that this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, those who are tuning in to this episode, um, here's just, this is a little secret between you and me, okay? Um, this is going to also be the text that I'm preaching from this Sunday as we're talking about life issues and what it means to um, be a blessing to um, those who are hurting and oppressed around us. Um, and and so, so don't tell anybody. So if you hear some of this this coming Sunday, at least the pump has been primed. I'm actually going to leave hopefully most of the meat on the bone for this coming Sunday. But I do want to highlight a few things to get us thinking about this text. Now here, this is pretty straightforward. Um, they are trying to suppress the Hebrew population. 
they are they they become a threat to the Egyptians, and one of the ways they want to do this is to kill the male children, not only uh, pr- probably primarily, um, so that they won't grow up not only to not procreate but to um, be fighting men, right? And and so they've asked the midwives, um, and these are obviously women who are coming alongside pregnant women to help them birth their children, and um. And, and it tells us here that the midwives did not obey, did not comply with the decree of pharaohs, okay? Um, what they did is they disobeyed, right? So instead of handing over the male children to the Egyptians, they, in fact, hid them. They, they, they took great means to deceive the Egyptians. To, they, they lied about it. Um, to Pharaoh and to his workers. Now, this is incredibly significant, and and one of the things that it tells us here, okay, is that they the reason they did what they did was because they feared God. In other words, there was a a, a law of God that was operative um, for them that transcended what their earthly human ruler was saying, and and. What's interesting about this, about their civil disobedience, so to speak, is that it says that specifically they honored God in this, that they feared God, and look back at the text, okay, where it says that they dealt, that God dealt well with the midwives. In other words, he gave them families as well. The very point of persecution um, or suffering and oppression, God turned into a blessing for the Israelites, and specifically for these midwives, and we and so so what we see here is God is honoring their disobedience. Okay, God is honoring their deception, and and one of the reasons we know that not only does the text very clearly tell us, but it it includes these women's names, and that's very unusual. That that here we have two obscure figures, Shafira and Pua, and now we are they are known for posterity thirty five hundred years later. And, and there's really something, I think, to learn about their example. And let me just say a couple of things about this, okay? This coming Sunday, we're gonna, I'm going to talk more about civil disobedience and God's law and man's law and the conscience and those sorts of things. And we're going to really kind of dig into that a little more deeply. But let me just say a few things um, right now, Okay. Number one, some theologians, some writers, some even conservative biblical scholars um, come to these kind of texts and, and, and fault the midwives for lying. In other words, the, the, the Ten Commandments very clearly tell us, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, um, we, they, they, they may look at texts like Rahab the prostitute lying to hide the spies and they may say something like, well, God used their lies, but really they didn't really trust God. If they had trusted God, they would have told the truth. And, and John Gershner, who was a, the mentor of R.C. Sproul, um, did an exposition on the Ten Commandments. And he really dispels this whole idea and talks about this idea of not bearing false witness against your neighbor um, really pertains okay, to, to, to your neighbor and not your enemy, okay, or those who were trying to oppress the people of God. In fact, he says we have an obligation to lie to our enemy, to deceive our enemy, 
to to be shrewd in dealing with our enemy, especially when life and death is at stake. And if that sort of strikes you as a little odd, I want you to think about this for a second. If you're a a, a Jew living in Amsterdam in the early 1940s, late 1930s, and um, you are in hiding, and you've entrusted your life to someone who is hiding you, like Anne Frank's family did, and and the Nazis are knocking on your door, and, and what do you hope your neighbor, the one who's charged with protecting you, is going to do? Well, you're going to hope that they lie on your behalf, right? That they deceive on your behalf, because although there is a there's a there's a commandment about bearing false witness it it, it's superseded okay by this idea of love of neighbor okay it's superseded by the idea that the nazis in fact were not their friends they were their enemies they were attempting to take life and so gershner says in those kinds of situations we are commanded to lie we are commanded to deceive for a higher good okay for and we we might, we might call some call this the the sort of the the righteous lie right now here is this is exactly what happens here and it's a clear lesson that there are going to be times okay where we are called to ignore the law of man in order to obey the law of god the question comes is is how do we know when that principle applies? Okay, so because let me give an example in in Romans fourteen and, and Luther talks about this. Paul's very clear: if it's sin to you, it's sin. If it's not sin to you, it's not sin. He's talking about matters of liberty, right? Matters of uh, freedom of conscience. It's for some drinking is a sin, for others it's not a sin. You need to obey your conscience. Okay, but but in another place, uh, Luther is very clear to say. And now he's talking about the pestilence, the black plague that is sweeping across Europe. He goes to great pains to say, um, take all due measure to love your neighbor. Take all due measure to protect your neighbor. So, so don't go infect your neighbor, okay? If you know you have the disease, don't go be around people who don't have the disease. Um, he even talks about wearing, can you believe it or not, okay? face coverings and not spreading germs and these sorts of things and so so luther is acknowledging there okay that even in those points where you might have something for your conscience sake that you do or don't do that in itself has to be subordinated to a higher good so th these issues as you can see can become very complex and and we may say well, well how do we know the difference okay and ultimately we have to go back to the idea that although we each have a conscience that we're responsible to answer to before the Lord, ultimately God is Lord of the conscience and even our consciences, okay, um, must be tempered and measured by the word of God, okay? And so meaning those places where God's word is clear, we want to be, we want to make sure that our conscience is always subordinated to that. So you may say, well, I have a clear conscience that I can divorce my spouse. Well, don't rely on your conscience at that point because the word of God is clear, right? Um, about the, the, the permanency of that bond. Um, I have a clear conscience about getting an abortion. Well, we need to subordinate your conscience to the word of God, okay? I have a 
clear conscience about discriminating based upon skin color. Well, well the, the word of God speaks to that as well. So on these things, we always have to be bringing our conscience, okay, into submission to the word of God. Now, sometimes, and obviously this is the big gray area, there's things that the word of God is not super clear on. And we have to um, have a, a measure of grace. And so one of the things that I think is has been revealed this season is sometimes, um, particularly in this COVID season, we will take things that are a matter of, we believe, or a matter of conscience for ourselves, whether we will or will not do certain things, right? And we, we sort of posit that, okay, as sort of our right, okay, as sort of our... Um, I, this is I'm putting my stake in the ground and I'm not going to be moved from it and I'm appealing to my conscience. I'm kind of the, the righteous warrior who, who's standing firm on conviction when in reality it might be an area where God is not spoken clearly. Um, and we have to appeal to other principles okay, in Scripture to say, okay, I have this conviction about a particular thing but, but I have to weigh this against what God says about his glory, about my Christian witness, okay, um, or about my love for neighbor. In other words, we don't want to make our individual conscience and convictions an idol, right? We want to be subordinating that to the word of God, asking for wisdom, being humility, being humble, showing humility, and, okay, showing grace, to brothers and sisters in Christ who are landing in a different place, okay? And so some of that we're going to unpack a little bit more this weekend, particularly as we are in the middle of this particular cultural political season. There's a lot of implications for this. But one thing that we can put a stake in the ground on is where God has been clear, we want to be equally clear. Where God has stood firm, we want to... Um, equally in the same way stand firm and so so when paul talks about there is neither slave nor free or greek nor jew or man or woman he's talking about how we're all made in the image of god under the cross then we are going to clearly stand against racial injustice we are clearly going to stand against discrimination where god says that all people are made in his image we're clearly going to stand okay right um like for life and against things like taking of the wife and the life in the womb. When God is very clear in talking about uh, the nature of gender and sexuality and marriage, very clear from scripture, we are likewise going to take that same sort of firm posture. But where God is, or the word of God is maybe not as clear as we would wish it would to be in a particular circumstance or context, we have to look to other things in scripture. Okay, in scripture, love of neighbor or... Um, gospel witness, okay, or uh, leading a quiet, humble, submitted life, not being busybodies. There's a whole host of those sort of principles. So, so there's a there's a ton here for us for us to grab from a text like this. But what we can know is that God honors His people when His people make obedience to Him their number one priority, um, and and. How do we know what it means to be obedient to God? We appeal to his word. And these midwives were clearly going on um, the word of God that had been revealed to them in Genesis 
1 and 2, that all were made in his image. And it's not for mankind or governments to determine who is more valuable, right? Uh, which class of people, which gender of people, um, which age of people, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of implications for us. And we need to pray for wisdom to know how to walk wisely as the midwives in this time of cultural upheaval, political upheaval, of, of, of spiritual crisis, trusting that God will lead us. Now, as we wind this up, this may raise more questions than it answers for you this morning. And that's a good thing, okay? Go back to his word. Read 1 Timothy 2, which talks about what it means to lead a quiet, humble life, a prayerful life. And obviously, tune in this Sunday as we unpack this text more. Let's pray. Lord, we need your grace. We need your wisdom to know where to have a closed hand around firm convictions and truth and where to have an open hand. Lord, it's hard to discern sometimes, so we need your grace. We need your your patience, your, your humility to exercise towards one another. So, Lord, please help us um, as we go forth today. Uh, Lord, we do want to be a gospel witness. We do want to honor you and fear you just like the midwives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you guys have a great day. See you tomorrow.